Okay, so we're now recording. So whatever you say, even if it's very quiet, you're talking about your feet or something, then you know we're going to hear that. Um, do do keep this in mind. <laughs> sure. You talk about cute toes, I suppose, but as you're giving examples or questions, you might want to be careful of names and things like that. Um, the um, the one from last week, if you were here, um, we weren't able to get that recorded here. I just got it recorded Sunday and just figured out how to get it off the recording and onto things uh, this afternoon. So that will be done first thing in the morning. If you've missed either of those, um, both, uh, it, it's under... Uh, the media section on our website and on our app, and it just says classes, and it will list both the current classes that we're recording, which is Second Timothy and uh, Intentional Parenting. So Intentional Parenting 1, Intentional Parenting 2 are the last two that we've already done. Tonight's three. And if this, if this records well, then we'll go ahead and put it on immediately. But the good news is that I'm doing another uh, one of these on Sunday afternoons, and it's right now... We're, we're right in line with each other, so if it doesn't work recording on this one, I catch it on Sunday, and that's what happened. So um, next week for this class, not the Sunday one, we are taking a one-week break. And if you remember uh, back of the original uh, schedule, um, we are trying to support basically the... Um, TNT program, which is the children's program, and the first Sunday or Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month is FX, which means family experience. So instead of having the normal TNT program, uh, we have a meal that's uh, served at six, and then at uh, seven we have over in the worship center a uh, full program that is intergenerational. And you are welcome and even encouraged to be a part of that, whether or not you have children in the program. If you have children in the program, you're very encouraged to do it. But otherwise, again, it's intergenerational. It doesn't matter if your children are in. Um, you can still take part, and uh, I think you'll find it enjoyable. Um, so we do support that. All of the small groups, classes on property on Tuesday night are breaking the first Tuesday of every month for that. So... Two weeks from tonight, we'll do the fourth of the seven sessions, and you'll see the, the dates on that schedule that we handed out before. Okay, uh, let's see. Tonight, we move into the parenting team. Now, in order to do that, there's some things that you've already need to have experienced and gotten into. Um, we have two new folks tonight. We're, you're welcome. Uh, I will say that this is actually the deadline, so you made it great. But the reason for that is that we then begin to build so much on previous weeks that anybody who comes in after this is, is going to spend a lot of the time just with their head spinning. So um, if you read the manual, and especially if you listen to those presentations, um, I think you'll find uh, you'll, you'll be able to catch up pretty easily. If not, I'm a sitting target right here at the church office. Give me a buzz or shoot me an email. Uh, happy to sit down with you and you know, whatever it takes to, to have us catch up. I would encourage you guys to uh, make sure that you listen to session one um, above the others because session two is a restatement and focus of material in the manual. Session one's material is not in the manual. So that's the only place you're going to get it is on that online thing. 
And um, I don't have time for the moment, but if you'll uh, come up right after we're finished, I'll give you the handouts from that night. If anybody else needs other copies of that, happy to get those to you. Um, also, this is our sign-in sheet. And uh, every week I pass this around. Give me your name if you would. That's just, I know who's here week to week. If you're not on the intentional parenting email list, which basically is like if I have handouts that are not in the manual, like those first weeks, I send those. If you want them electronic, I sent a, I think the only thing I had was a JPEG of the goal wheel, and then we found out the goal wheel actually was in the manual, just not where I thought it was. Um, but things like that, and it is also something that if for some reason I am not able to make it, I will, if I have enough notice, I will send you an email that day as well. So if you want to be on that email list, then when you sign in, please print and print very, very neatly and legibly because computers are very unforgiving. And uh, that way I will add you to that tonight. I will not add anyone who does not tell me to by doing that. So go ahead, if you would, and just sign in. Now, yes, sir? Yeah, he's just part of the class. It's not like we're charging extra for the bug or anything. Come on. Some people just can't handle extras. There you go. Okay. Um, the parenting goals. There's two things that need to be done by the end of this week for all of the, what I'm going to call the toolbox sessions, which starts next week, and it's the last four of the seven sessions. Prevention, early correction, intermediate correction, and crisis intervention. There's different techniques that can be used with children. Uh, we cover them broadly, so I'm sure you could break them down into 100 different ones. We're not going to go 100 because people can't keep that many in their head. But the bottom line is it's like a toolbox. There's things that we can do, and there's things that with our children may not work well, or for that matter, with our personality may not work well. And if you find that, then that's fine. There's other tools, okay? But all of those are predicated, first of all, on the difference between punishment and discipline. So can anybody give me, very briefly, the difference between punishment and discipline from what we presented last week? Okay. Okay. So the person benefiting, and I, eh, I'm not real sure punishment actually benefits the parent, but it's let's face it, it's motivated by us, right? What is the nature of punishment? Why do you do it? It's revenge. It's payback. Is there anybody here who's never felt like paying your kid back for something? Okay. <laughs> Make a note, it's the, the, primarily the two who don't have children. So to anybody who hasn't felt like paying your kid back, let's get real. They embarrass us, they will disobey, and there's times we just get frustrated with them. There's times we just want to respond out of that, okay? Uh, I am of the opinion, and I've never worked with anybody, I'm not going to say anything about anybody here, but I've never worked with anybody where I've actually talked with them for half an hour that I haven't found examples of that. Oh, I got one for you, but well, I know there's examples, that's what I'm saying. Now, here's the thing, we don't have to give in to that because 
there is an alternative, and that would be not just sit back and let the kid turn into a monster. It is instead discipline. Now, what is the nature of discipline as opposed to punishment? Correction. Part of it is correction. Help them grow, help them learn. Discipline, if there's just one word you use, it, I would use the word training because I include teaching in that. Sometimes teaching sounds like it's just all, you know, up here. And we're talking life skills with our kids, okay? So it's not just up here. It's, you know, helping them to learn how to be and live the way they need to be and live, okay? And so who determines that? Yeah, we do. We're the ones God has given that responsibility to. Now, hopefully we're doing that based on what we know from what God has told us in the Scripture. Well, that's, yeah, we're getting ahead there. There's other people. But the parents, the primary parents, we'll talk about that in just a moment, are the ones who decide even who other is involved in their life. So it, it comes back to us. If we don't do this consciously, it won't get done. Some of you are parenting in a uh, step situation where you are not teaming up with the other primary parent. We've talked about that before, too. And again, the reality is the one of you who is most intentionally doing this is the one over the years, not necessarily in any given situation, but over the years who will have by far the greater impact on that child. Which is another reason why I keep saying, never judge your parenting until your children are 30. Because then, they're making their own decisions, not just based on what you have set them up to make. But up to that, you know, they're, they're still growing, they're still maturing. And even though our society says 18 is adult, let's get real. We all know 18 does not mean that person's magically mature all of a sudden. And most of us, even our society, uh, says you're legally an adult at 18, except for the things that you can't do until you're 21. And by the way, try running for Congress or president at 21 and see what happens. Because everybody knows, even 200 years ago, that you're not mature enough yet. So we're not going to let you do that either. We, the, there's a recognition that that maturity just keeps building and building and building. We as parents are part of that all the way through. But if you don't have the goals from that goal wheel, if you don't have that clear in your mind, not just on the paper, but clear in your mind, then you're not going to be able to do that. So you said our, our children until they're 30. Yep. How old are you? Not 30. Not 30. Oh. <laughs> so if the, anybody in this room is under 30, should they be in here? Of course. Because... I'm, I am right now parenting three children, the youngest of whom is 32. Now, am I parenting the way that I did when, they, when she was two? Of course not. Or 12. No. No, the reality is parents never stop parenting. Okay? So we've got to have our goals set. And we've got to have our goals in mind. If you don't, you will revert either to just a knee-jerk, which may or may not be useful, or to punishment. That's what we do. Look around you. That's what parents do all the time. And it does not produce what you want to see produced. Okay. Um, 
Well, of course, because the reality is, as I said, I'm parenting those three. Between them, they've got 11 kids. The oldest one turned 12 since our last class. So, you know, we're not talking about babies. They are full-grown adults, but I still have a role, and if I abdicate that role, I take a resource away from them that they need, that they were designed to have and use. So parenting is a lifetime thing. It shifts, it moves, it, it, it grows. But, uh, you know, my son and I are very, very close, even though he betrayed me and moved 1,400 miles away. But again, I'm not bitter. We're very close still. We talk frequently. We get together whenever we can. He's my friend. He's 36 years old. He's not a little child. He was in ministry for 13 years. He's seen a lot. But the reality is that as much as he's my friend, I'm still his dad. I'm not like any other friend he's got, because I may be like 75% friend, but there's that other 25% that will never not be dad. I'm trying to justify that. Justify. Well, make sense of that, because I tell people that my son is one of my best friends. Not only is, am I his mom, and is he my son, but he's my friend. And they're like, you can't be friends with your... How old is your son? Okay. I will honestly, my response is um, that's great as long as it doesn't get in the way of you being the parent. And it will. When my son was 10, he and I were very good friends. And then we had, a, there's times when I just had to put that friendship on the shelf because what I needed to do for him as father did not fit the role of friend anymore. And if we're worried about being friend, if that's even in our head, we won't sometimes do what we need to do as parents. Exactly, and that's my hard time is yeah. scolding or disciplining or I let him walk all over me. Yeah. And people see it and sure. they point it out to me, but I have a hard time disciplining or punishing him for the wrong. And then I get frustrated and it builds in me and I feel like a horrible parent yeah. because I can't. And, and in, in effect, you're going to be because you're not accomplishing your goals. That's the point of being a parent. So what we've got to do is understand our role. A role is a set of expectations in a context. Our, the expectations of us as parents are very different than the expectations as friends. So when our children are small, we can enjoy those moments that feel friendship. Okay? But we need to remember, first of all, they're not adults. So be very careful because parentifying them is very dangerous to them. But also, we need to make sure that their primary investment in friendship is people their own age. Because that's something they need to develop. And there's times that means that, you know, I'm, in, I'm facilitating and encouraging them to be with those kids and not with me. Because I'm dad, I'm not friend, primarily. As they grow older and more mature, it shifts. Now, when my son was 10, I would say I was 10% friend, 90% dad. And I think he would agree. And I can't get him to, if I want to go socialize with my group of peeps at my apartment, he thinks that he needs to be right there with me. Yeah, and you can get him to change that, but that's what we're talking about yeah. here. It's the, the first thing you've got to do, 
and, and I would encourage you to go back and look at that chapter, is you've got a, one of your goals is going to be about that. And then you begin to plan. Every, that's why we call this intentional parenting. None of our goals will happen without us planning them, making them happen. It's just like we're teachers in a school, except we have far more responsibility because you know, we're not just teaching them to spell or something. We're teaching them life. And as I said earlier, if, if you went to a parent-teacher conference and the teacher didn't know what they were going to teach, I think pretty quick you'd be saying, well, okay, I'm going down to see the principal. Let's see about a transfer. Because we're not going to put our child in a school where the teacher hasn't got a clue what they're doing. That's us. And that's what this class is about. Now, the next thing, before we even begin to look at how do we accomplish those goals, the next thing we've got to do is realize that in parenting terms, there's almost never any such thing as a single parent. Okay? Single refers to marital status. That's not about the kids. When it comes to parenting, there are other people involved. So let's talk a bit about the parenting team. And you, you see this. Hopefully you've already gotten that form. Uh, for those who are new tonight, this is the second. The goal wheels is the first priority. This is the second. And both of those need to be done before you can really benefit from what's happening after this week. Primary parent. Can somebody from your reading define what a primary parent is? Yeah, stop with the legal authority. That's it. Primary parents are the parents who have legal authority. Most of the time, that's birth parents. Not all the time. Um, numerous times, I've, I've worked with it. We've experienced it in our family through adoption. Uh, that's the state of, of California or the state of Texas. Because when the kids were foster adopting, as the kids they were adopting were foster parents, who's the primary parent? The state is. It's actually a judge somewhere, as it turns out, because social worker has to clear everything through the judge. The state can delegate. So my granddaughter is in uh, PQ, and uh, life-saving life decisions being made literally every day, and the first week, every one of them had to go to court. And so finally, at the end of the week, Lord, really grateful for this, the judge was smart enough to figure out that this is sooner or later going to kill her. So he delegated that authority. He didn't give it up. He delegated that authority to the foster parents, who were my, my son and his wife. So they then had the authority to make those decisions. And since some of those decisions, literally, they only had a few minutes to carry out, that was a good thing. Okay? Uh, pediatric ICU. Uh, she was two years old. Now, now that they're adopted, the day they were adopted, the moment the judge made that decree, who's the primary parents? Yeah. No. Once the decree's made, his authority ends unless they break the law in some way as to kick it back in. Now they are, uh, and in fact the adoption decree read, as though the children were born to, then their name's filled in. So it's, it's, in the eyes of the law, no difference. Than, and, and in fact, they even altered, because of safety issues, they altered the birth certificates by court order. Okay? 
Now, what are the rights in that circumstance of the birth parents? Zero. Zero. That took an amazing amount to happen, by the way. In the United States, we've got this. Some of us, particularly in churches, believe that you know, the courts are running around doing that all the time. No, no. I've worked with the courts and with social services and protective services, and I've had to threaten people's jobs to get them to take kids away whose lives were on the line that hour. So there is a, an amazing bend towards parenthood. They don't want to take kids away from us. Now, mom and dad have a baby. Mom and dad, two years later, divorce. Mom remarries. Dad doesn't. Who are the primary parents? Mom and dad. Unless the court has uh, adjudicated that one of their parental rights is taken away. And the only way that's going to happen is if it can be proven that that person has been so abusive that it is literally dangerous, imminently dangerous to the child. Or the child doesn't want some of the other parents whatsoever. Doesn't, doesn't do anything to their rights. Does something to custody, not to their rights. Okay, because I had all my custody and my rights taken away from me and I didn't do anything wrong to my oldest son. Mm-hmm. Okay, but custody and rights are not the same thing in the law. So I, I guarantee you if your rights have not formally been revert or revoked and if they have been, uh, there was either an extraordinarily good reason or you needed an attorney very badly. I, did, um, I mean, let's so, be real. Courts can make decisions. Okay, okay so finish. I won't interrupt If those rights are not terminated, it does not matter whether the parents are living together or for that matter who has custody because custody is only about physical possession. There's still a lot of rights and major decisions that the other parent has a say in. Okay? So, everyone here should be able to list for your children who the primary parents are. The way God intended, of course, was the two birth parents living together as husband and wife committed to each other for life. However, the child does not get flushed down the toilet necessarily if that's not the way it is. And we need to be very careful of that because obviously that anything else is not optimum. But our job then is, okay, then how do we make this as good a positive experience? How do we make that child as mature as possible with the the situation as it is, not as we wish it was. That's particularly important when the two primary parents are not getting along and have different values, which is extremely common, way more common than otherwise, because most people don't break up because they're getting along so well, right? Okay, so the primary is easy to figure out, but here's the thing. Remember that the primary don't necessarily have the most influence. They have the most rights. So um, when I was actually first writing this material, I was uh, called up, and at the time, it was during the three-and-a-half-year period, I was not serving a local church. I was in a uh, parachurch ministry called the Family Support Center. Part of what I did is in-home parent uh, education. I would go in. um, It was considered an early prevention for at-risk children. And I got a call from a woman whose son was only five years old. 
And she said, my son is absolutely going bananas. I've even had to call the police already. Five years old. And up to, I said, okay, when did this start? I mean, you know, normally that's like, well, it's been going on and on and on because things like that don't usually happen overnight without somebody having a clue why. Which, by the way, tells you she was clueless because it had just started two weeks earlier. I said, okay, I got you. Tell me about your, your parenting situation. Are you married? No. Husband and I are divorced. Okay, does your son have any contact with his father? No, none at all. Father's not interested. Okay, so you're the parent, right? Right. What do you do? I'm an attorney. Now, right there, by the way, I, I knew exactly what was going on because I've not yet met an attorney who works five hours a week. So, okay, tell me your hours. Oh, wow. 60 to 80 hours average. Sometimes it gets it's get really heavy. Okay, so tell me a day, a normal day. Well, I get up at like 5. Um, I, I try to get ready. I wake my son up at 5.30 and get him dressed, and I drop him off at childcare at 6, and then I go to work, and then about 7, 7.30 at night, um, I'll come home uh, or, or come back to childcare and pick him up. I bring him home, I feed him, and put him to bed. And that happens five days, sometimes six days a week. You're, you're getting the picture, right? I mean, it's so obvious, unless, of course, you're in the middle of it, because she literally, she wasn't stupid, for Pete's sake, but she couldn't see it. And I said, okay, thank you. What happened two weeks ago? Well, I can't think of anything that happened two weeks ago. And I said, did you by any chance have an issue with child care? Oh, yeah, 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 we changed the child care. We changed the child care. What happened? She and I just weren't seeing eye to eye. We tried to talk it out. It wasn't working, so I just changed it. Now, do you see what happened with this little five-year-old? The only adult that he's got a bond with, the only adult who spends time with him, the, the one who feeds him, the one who comforts him, the one who teaches him all day, the one he sees functionally, he didn't call her this, but functionally as mom, all of a sudden, Legal mom says, you're not seeing her anymore. And, of course, he's five years old. She didn't explain this. She just did it. One Monday morning, she took him somewhere else, which coincidentally is the day he started freaking out. So I just said it to her that way, and, and it got really quiet on the phone. She said, wow. Wow. And I go, yeah, wow. Look what just happened. Now, that didn't fix it, by the way, because it's already happened. So now we have to deal with a therapeutic thing, which means to heal. And that, that can happen once you figure out what the wound is. She couldn't figure out what the wound is. And the reason is she had a secondary parent, and she, she had no clue how much influence that woman had on the child. So brainstorm with me what types of people are secondary. That means they're not primary. They don't have legal rights. But, oh, by the way, they may have limited legal rights. That's, that's beginning to change in the law, but they're not going to abrogate the primary parents' rights. Um, but their influence is very significant. You said teachers. What age child? Um, in my case, it would be fourth grade. Okay. Ten. Now, what if it's a, uh, a teacher of a junior in high school? Hmm? Junior high? Junior in high school. Well, they have some, they have 
Uh, number one, they've got more than one teacher. Okay, they are different, so that the. the the, the child care part is not near as much. It becomes much more academic. Now, is it possible that the teacher of a junior in high school, that one of the teachers, it's almost impossible, all of them, but that, that one, maybe even two, are secondary teachers? Sure. If that, for example, if um, my closest friend in high school was a math genius, um, literally mad genius. By the time he graduated from high school, he had taken every course at University of Nebraska Omaha in math and aced every one of them, literally, 100%, all the way through all of them. Guy was really weird. And so guess what? He's connecting with people in the math department, forming a bond with them, right? Now, people in philosophy, I mean, he just roll his eyes. I'm talking about going into ministry. Oh, you're kidding, man. So... You know, no connection at all. But for him, that would have been a, a primary secondary. So many kids, however, at that age, go all the way through, and they don't have any teachers with that much influence on them. But at the fourth grade level, almost all of them will. Quick question. In my circumstance, um, my daughter's primarily homeschooled. She does online public school. Mm -hmm. Her interactions with her teacher are primarily academic online. Mm -hmm. My guess is no, but here's the thing. Who decides if someone's a secondary parent? Yeah, the primary's got to make that call. Is this a person who's got that much influence on my child? Because it's not just the position, it's what's actually happening in the relationship. Give you another example for a fourth grader. Fourth graders, let's say 10 years old. That's my daughter was 10 when she was in fourth grade. A coach. Now, She's taking softball. Uh, she's in softball after school. And um, there's like, I don't know, 15, 20 girls on this team. Okay? And there's a guy who's, who's like, in his mind, softball is life. Okay? Which is a little weird. So, is he a secondary parent to her? Yeah, I'm hearing lots of ifs. And you're exactly right. Is she one of those kids who buys it and, and then softball's life for her? If so, absolutely he is. And, and she's going to listen to him, maybe even before her parents. So parents had better be aware of that influence. On the other hand, my daughter, fortunately with that, uh, there was other things that were maybe a little more competitive for that, but with that, she was kind of like, man, he really wants me to just, just like my whole life. And to her, that was like, is he crazy? <laughs> you know? And so, no, he was not for her. What would he have been for her? A coach. He was a coach, but in this, he's another. He has influence, okay? But the influence is inconsistent and uh, not near as strong as if she was buying into it that much. So the older the child is, the more it depends on them, and that means we've got to be watching. Because you, you can't just say, teacher equals this, coach equals this. Not necessarily. Okay, back to secondary. Who else? What did you say? Step parents. Okay. Lord willing, if a step parent is not a secondary parent, I guarantee you there's some serious problems going on. Because they're, they're living there, functioning as a parent, right? 
percent of father's time and six and the other part is mother. I'm not sure I understand. The secondary parent for my situation will have a hundred percent with the older one and then fifty fifty. Yeah. Now again, that's time, not necessarily influence, but because of the intimate nature of the time, this is in their home, this is not just about a subject or a sport, this is about everything, then yeah, very, very likely. Okay, somebody said something over here. Grandparents. Grandparents. Thank you. I mean, come on. The grandparents, by the way, in... Yeah, it can go to it can go on. Yeah. Grandparents have legal rights in every state in the union now. If my kids said you may not see my kids anymore, my grandkids anymore, and they didn't have a good reason for it, I could literally take them to court for visitation rights. And if they don't have a good reason, I'll win. I don't know how I feel about that because I can't imagine the scenario in my life, but I've seen the scenario in others. So I know why it's, it's automatically ugly. It's ugly before you ever get there. But when I said earlier that secondary don't have rights, that's what I meant by, well, most of the time. Because sometimes that's not true. Okay, hold on a second. Are grandparents always secondary? No. no. Could be primary. Okay, if they're raising the child, could be primary. I actually taught this series in Oregon once. Uh, explicitly for grandparents raising their grandchildren. Nobody was in that class except people who were grandparents raising their grandchildren for various reasons. Um, and in their case, most of them, but not all. Because remember, raising does not mean legal rights. So my kids drop one of my grandkids off on my doorstep and say, we can't handle him anymore, have fun. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to care for my kids, so I'm going to care for my grandkid, right? However, if I don't go to court and start something which could be an amazingly bad can of worms, let's be real about it, and get myself named as their legal guardian, I am not the primary parent. And that means that whenever he or she wants, my kid can come back into the scenario make calls and or take the kid out anytime they want to. And I've seen that happen over and over and over and over. So, you know, even in those kinds of roles, we've got to be careful. But what about the grandparent? Um, I, I share with you just a little bit ago. I've got 11 grandkids. Nine of them live 1,400 miles away. Am I a secondary parent? No. Why? Because you don't have much contact. Okay. Does contact equal influence? Well, without any contact, granted, but without much, well, much is how much is much? Well, that depends upon how much contact you actually have, I guess. Yeah, and what kind? Because today, unlike when my kids were being raised, yeah, we can have teleconference every single day if we want to. I can have uh, FaceTime. I, can just literally, I don't even have to have Skype. I can just pick up my phone and right there. Um, so how involved am I? And, and see, there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's every circumstance is different, which puts us back as primary parents. We've got to look at that and say, are they? My children's grandparents were not secondary parents because we lived to 1,800 miles from the closest, 
most of the time they're growing up. We did not have any of those kinds of things because they weren't there yet. And we couldn't afford to be going back three or four times a year for lots of contact, so it wasn't there. Okay, So today, I probably, eh, I think with some of them, I'm definitely secondary. Uh, with some of them, because of age, probably not enough contact. Definitely other. And, and so, you know, as grandparents, we've got to look at that and ask ourselves, how much influence do we have, and are we making the best of it? Okay, who else belongs in secondary? Um, parents of your children first. Okay, uh, first... Nanny or baby Okay, when you say babe, nanny to me means well, lots of time. When I hear nanny, exactly, exactly. So for me, those are two different things. So babysitter—that's the high school senior that I know and trust, and uh, but I only know and trust for her to be there three hours. <laughs> nanny might be a whole day. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I've got the money, it might even be live in. So odds are pretty good that a nanny absolutely is going to be there. Babysitter, what's it depend on? How much time? What else? Okay, how frequent? If it's, th if it's five hours, but it's only once ever? Yeah, no. But if it's five hours every week, once a week, then that's going to add up. That's going to get very consistent. What else? Of? Okay, yeah, see, I was wondering. It's actually both. Because the younger they are, the less likely they're going to have real consistent impact on our goals, at least without us shaping that. Um, on the other hand, if the baby said, by the way, don't ever, 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 ever refer in my presence, because I'll just go off the rocket, to grandparents babysitting grandkids. Parents do not babysit their own children. They care for their children. And grandparents do not babysit. You, I'm intense about this. They do not babysit their children. Um, you know what? I'm sort of leaning in that direction. So don't be ever calling me a babysitter for my own. I might babysit yours, but not mine. Okay, so it all depends. And the thing we've got to watch is the result of it. How much influence do we see that babysitter having? Not a lot, because most of the time they're going to be texting or on their phones. They're just there for the bus. Well, honestly, if you have a babysitter like that, you should never have them more than once. Yeah. So in terms of role, they might be coach, they might be mentor, uh, they might be counselor. I mean, it, we, there's all sorts of stuff. It depends on how good they are. Okay. Okay. Who else might go up here? Who else might go up here? Older siblings. Thank you. Siblings. Probably older because of maturity and influence. Depending on age, if they're, let's, we're back to that junior in high school. Um, a sibling who's only a year younger could also have extraordinary influence. Well, Nolan's brother's 16, so he's six years older. Yeah, and with that age difference, they, they look at them like adults. Okay, So siblings, and again, it, it depends on some factors, but most of the time that's going to be true. Who else? Friends. Friends. Who's friends? Both Parents, friends? Yes, both. Okay. So let's start with parents' friends. Are all of your friends going to be 
secondary parents. Now, the reality is probably very few. On the other hand, you're probably going to be picking some explicitly for that reason. Uh, there is a couple that lives in Colorado Springs. Is there something that I can help with? Oh, we're debating the French one. Okay. Hang with me for this, okay? There is a couple that lives in Colorado Springs who, when our first child was born, we designated as the guardians if we should die. Okay? I was a chaplain. I saw that happen. It didn't happen a lot, but it's like, I know that's going to happen. So we made a will. We didn't have anything else to will anybody except our kids. And if we died in a car accident, something like that, both of us together, they became the parents, primary parents. So throughout their years growing up, ended up being three of ours and two of theirs because they did it with us as well. We said, we must make sure that our kids are comfortable with each other, that they know each other, that they know each other's kids. And we haven't lived, we didn't live in the same state from 1982 on, which is, by the way, the year before my youngest was born. But we made it a priority to do that. To this day, my kids see them as more or less aunt and uncle, even though there's no uh, genetic relationship whatsoever. And I got the privilege for their older daughter of uh, officiating at her wedding. The younger daughter, her groom was selfish and wouldn't let me do it because he had <laughs> a minister he wanted. <laughs> so we went to the wedding, and when we sat down, she looked at me very firmly as is at the rehearsal and said, you will not sit there. You sit there. And took us from the second row to the front row. That's how they felt about it. Why? Because we intentionally put enough into that relationship, making trips, phone calls, whatever we could do to make sure the influence was there. So it, it's not going to happen by itself. We had lots of other friends that were not. Okay? I have a question. Go ahead. Um, if you guys hadn't done that, uh, where you made them part of your will, say the primary parents die, um, who then has the right? Whichever judge gets your case. There's no Every state in the union, whichever judge gets your case. They'll consider anything they want to. Um, you know, should they consider the grandparents? Sure they should. Um, with my son and his wife, uh, grandparents live in Fiji. Um, grandmother has MS. Kind of shaky physically. My wife is permanently handicapped. And, um, and by the way, we live 1,400 miles away as well. So is a judge going to let us have those five kids? Well, I don't know, but it sure isn't going to be automatic. Now, if my kids say in their will, unless there is an overriding concern for the welfare of the children, in other words, the person that they designate is on Megan's list, or something like that, unless that's the case, that's what's going to happen, period. There, there's no discussion. There's no uh, court case about it. So I tell parents this all the time. If you don't have a will, you make a will today. Write it out. Have someone uh, witness it. I mean, you can go on. What, what is the, the online thing? What? LegalZoom.com. Legal Zoom. Legal Zoom. Yeah. 
you could go to a, uh, Amazon and get forms that are good in every state in the union. It's, it doesn't require thousands of dollars. But if you do not make your will known, um, it, it won't be taken into account. And by the way, the only reason I can say what we did for certainty is because Donna and I agreed. Because both the primary parents have that legal right. One says this, another says this, it's going to the judge. 100% of the time, it's going to a judge. Okay. So it's a good thing to talk out first. God forbid it should ever happen. But God forbid even more that if it happens, your kids are caught in some sort of a power play between people. Good. Oh, it could be another country. Yeah, judges, judges can take anything in the, in, into account that they want. It is in their opinion what is best for the kid. Yep. Well. But it's in their opinion. So we can argue all we want. If that doesn't convince the judge, that's not what the judge will decide. That's why today you decide, and then the judge doesn't get to have an opinion. It only kicks in if you don't decide. I hounded my kids. My, my son got so tired of hearing me say it. And I finally just said, look, if you're afraid that you, know, you put somebody else on there instead of me, don't worry about it. That's not what it's about. What it's about is do you really want a judge somewhere figuring this out? And your kids, by the way, in foster care until. Because that's where it will start. Yeah. It's, it's not necessary. So don't, don't let that. Okay. Side, it's a side thing, but it's important. But somebody said kids' friends. That's pretty important, too. And as the kids get older, more and more and more important. If you're dealing with, uh, um, let's say, 15, 16 and above, then in some ways that will rival the parent. Now, here's the interesting, when I say in some ways, I should have said in some circumstances. There is research that indicates that even on things such as dating, sexuality, using drugs, all of those kinds of hot-button issues that that parents are scared to death that peers will decide for them instead of the parents. If the parents do not abdicate their role, the kids themselves say that while the peers have an influence, the primary influence on them is their parents. But in the cases where the kids report that the parents are disengaged, they're not involved with them, it's all the peers. So if you want to make sure that your kids just fall into a crowd and follow whatever they do, then just stay uninvolved. It's pretty well guaranteed to happen. But never buy the lie that is often, uh, I mean, I've seen TV shows on it, I've seen uh, 60 Minutes things on it, that somehow parents don't have influence. We not only have it, we've got more than anyone else unless we give it up. And by the way, if you've given it up, and then at 16, when your child is 16, you decide you care now or you're scared, and you try to get it back, don't be terribly surprised if your child throws that one in your face. You do not get to wait until they're 16. If you want your kids to understand and go with your values about sex and sexuality, when do you start talking to them? You don't have to use the word sex, but everything you say, for example, about, for me, about my wife, 
and how I treat her is laying the foundation for the rest of what I'm going to say and frankly, whether or not they're going to believe me. Because if I treat her one way, but then I say to them, well, this is the way it should be, um, do as I do, and, or as I say and not as I do, never works. So my first actual conversation with one of my kids about sex came when he was five. And, and by the way, did I bring it up? No. no. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know, at least five more years, which by the way was stupid, but okay. <laughs> because he was my first and I hadn't done this yet. And he listened to a news article and he asked a question that he didn't know was about sex. But he's hearing this on a radio. It was on a car radio and just the regular news station. And he heard this. And Dad, what does that mean? There it is. How long an answer do you suppose I gave him? Not very long. Yeah, very short. Because what you do is you answer the question to their extent to understand, and then you shut up and wait. If they answer, ask another one, fine, answer that. They're, usually what happens is we think we've got to dump the whole thing on them first time we bring it up. And if I'd have done that, he'd have been looking at me like, what planet are you from, you know? So one question, we're done, didn't come up again for another, I don't know, couple of years, which was just fine with me. But if you wait until they're 10, their friends have already done the job. Poorly, but they've done it. Yeah, I guarantee you she's gotten answers somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I guarantee it. Unless you put her in a box and buried her, I guarantee it. She's homeschooled. I don't care. I don't care. Homeschooled kids. Like three, four, five years old. Yeah, she's very with parental supervision. No, I guarantee you she's already there in her head. I'm sorry, I've been doing this way too long. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, but. If you think she hasn't at 10 gone there, she's there. So you're saying she should start a conversation with her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if you're right and I'm wrong, which almost never happens, but if that <laughs> happens, yes. Um, for those of you listening, I just smiled. That was a little bit of self-deprecating humor. Um, then don't bet that it won't happen tomorrow. It happens when kids watch animals. It happens when they see something or hear something on TV or hear m lyrics in yeah. music. Even Christian, which there is no such thing, Christian music. Yeah. Only people in churches are Christian, folks. Okay, that's true. So, yeah, be very careful. Now, the kids' friends, the older they get, you better have some input on that, just like the rest of this. Never believe that you're stuck with whatever happens. Unless, of course, it's already happened and now you're trying to do something about it. In which case, boy, are you swimming upstream. Right? Okay, what's next? Youth pastor. Aha. Uh -huh. I'm just going to put youth workers because it can be, for example, in our, um, in our program here, Edmund is the youth minister, but um, for a young lady who's struggling with some things, he's going to sick one of the women who works with the youth on her. And so that person's probably the one that's going to build that kind of a bond and have that kind of influence. Now, it may be just because of position that he does, because he's teaching every week if they're in here and they respect him, then yeah, he's probably there. Which, by the way, means that other people, and now I'm going to, just for time's sake, I'm going to shoot ahead.
uh, public figures. Let's go back to a 10-year-old. Who does a 10-year-old know about in terms of public figures? Okay, might be music people. Who else? Sports figures, definitely. Might be, it might be figure skaters or it might be football, but oh, sorry, he's going to be there. Actors. What? Okay, then the people who wrote Backyard Against. Because there's stuff being communicated through that. Okay. So somebody is having influence. Now, they may or may not know, so we have to add the media itself. So it might be the characters, for example, or the lyrics of a song, but that can actually have very serious impact on people. Yeah, all of that stuff in media. So, you know, and again, the older they are, the more that's likely. So our job, see, as, as primary parents is to be watching constantly because is this the same group necessarily as three months from now? No. no, kids are very dynamic. Ebbs and flows. Done with that sport. Don't even see that coach. But I'm in this class and dad, you wouldn't believe what the teacher's like. He is so cool. And it's like, okay, that one's on my radar because he sees him that way. Um, and you, this is not all bad. This can be very, very good. Depends on the teacher. Which means what? What's the implication of that for me as the primary parent? How do I know? I now have to, for this group, this group, I may not be able to, because that group could be 100 people. But I now am responsible to decide who of those people is, and by the way, it's probably not that many. These are all people who might be, right? But now, what are those people like? Do I want that person? I've, I've gone to schools and said, yeah, I want you to transfer my child out of that class. And had the principal say, that's not going to happen, and had me say, well, if it doesn't happen, I'll be before the school board tomorrow, and I don't need that hassle, and you don't need that hassle, so let's do us both a favor and just get her out. And guess what happened? She got moved. Okay. On the other hand, there was one teacher, this one was with my son, he's, he's hilarious. Guy was 6'8 and rode to class to the school building on a motorcycle. This is for fifth grade. Okay. So guess what the fifth grade boys thought of this guy? Oh, man. So he and I have a talk at that parent-teacher conference. He starts telling me about the academics. I said, frankly, I don't want to hear about it. He said, what? And I said, I, I know that. I spend more time with him than you do. I know he can read. I'm, I'm good with that. I need your insight into what he's like socially with the other kids when I'm not around. Right? And, then, and he gets this twinkle in his eyes like, oh, you're one of those. And I said, I need you to understand I am a Christian. We're raising our, we're raising our children in Christian values. He says, now that you've said that, this is Oregon, by the way. People are more scared of that down here. He said... I am a missionary's kid. I grew up on the mission field, and absolutely, Jesus is my Lord. I said, fantastic. We need to make a partnership here. And right then and there, I mean, my wife was part of this too, the three of us developed a plan for dealing with two issues that I was particularly concerned about that I had seen in Josh, 
but are primarily things that happen when I'm not around. One of those was his language. So next week, Josh is out at recess, and they're playing some sort of a sports thing, and Josh just lets loose with some string of words. And, this, and Josh, by the way, looks down on me today, but he didn't do that till he went to college. So the whole time he's growing up, he's way behind, so he's like this high. And this giant teacher comes up, puts his arm around him, says, Josh, can we talk for a minute? Pulls him aside over here. He says, Josh, your mom and dad told me you believe in Jesus. And he says, yeah. And he says, so what do you think Jesus thinks of what you just said? And Josh just, I mean, it was like. <laughs> and it was extraordinarily effective. So these guys, if we use them, these guys can be amazingly effective even in ways we can't. If, on the other hand, I had skipped that parent-teacher conference, you know, I would never have even known where this guy's coming from, much less been able to form that kind of a partnership. So one of the things, by the way, if your kids are in public or private schools, invest in those teachers and principals. One of the reasons that principal gave in is because I was there volunteering frequently, my wife every week. This, it wasn't, this, this complaint wasn't the first time he'd ever talked to me. It was the first time he'd ever heard a complaint. So he knew I wasn't there as a troublemaker. And so he was willing to listen. And then when I said, you know, you're leaving me no choice. He knew who I was, and he also knew I would do it. And by the way, the, the teacher was breaking the law. So he also knew that was going to create a real major problem if I did. She got moved. So even homeschooling, homeschooling associations, the, the people like the online, if you're using as the kids get older, specialty services, which I strongly encourage. Uh, the five grandkids I was talking about in the family that has five are all homeschooled. But they connect a lot with others. I've got a picture from yesterday, because it's Texas, of the Homeschool Association Boys 12 and Over Shooting Club. <laughs> really? It's Texas. And it was in my kid's backyard, because their backyard's six acres, so it's Texas. What are you going to do? So, you know, make those connections, because those people have influence. Now, who's here? Everybody there, if it's not a strong influence, but it's an influence, can be here. Who else might be there? Okay. A kid can be influenced pretty significantly, especially if they perceive those people as the cool people. Um, with a lot of principals, it may well be good principals will make as much personal contact as they can. So, yeah, absolutely can be. May not be, if it, you know, part of it is you know, how big's the school. Uh, my kids graduated from high school almost as big as mine was, which is like 2,000 students. There was one principal and five vice principals, and two of the vice principals would have been on that list. The rest of them, it was all administrative. Kids barely ever saw them. So, again, it's about the actual influence. But those two, and one of them in particular, uh, because we knew that person already very much, if, if not on that list, sometimes even on secondary. Neighbors. <laughs> neighbors. Okay, people they see frequently, but assuming the neighbors don't fall into the friends that you're making secondary category. Okay? 
Who else? Okay? Crossing guard, usually for smaller children. Somebody they're going to respect, somebody they may end up talking to every day. Yeah. So that consistency is what we're talking about. And even though it may not be a lot of, it, of time, consistency can be huge. Who else might be on it? My friend's son, he's a big part of my child's life. <laughs> again, that was free. I mean, you didn't pay extra for that bug. Um, again, okay, so the friend's son, unless the friend's son is secondary. Because if they're really good friends, then it might even be secondary. No, because my friend is, would be secondary, and then so his son would be another. They can both be secondary. Okay. It just, and again, it, 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 here's how you determine it. You watch and see how much influence each has on your child. The parents are your children's friends. Yeah. Again, can be secondary or might be other. If you don't even have them as other, what in the world are you thinking? Never let your children go to someone else's house. You don't know the, the adults and trust them, okay? Many times, many times. Um, one of my daughters was far more socially active than the other two. And she was the one that was mostly. Um, also extraordinarily conservative with such things today. I love it. But many times, Dad, why won't you let me go over there? Dad, why won't? I even got phone calls from parents. I'm told my daughter says you won't let your daughter come over to my house. I said, no, I won't. Why? Well, in the first place, I don't know you. In the second place, the last time she asked, I said, are her parents home? And the answer was no. So why would I let them come over there when you're not supervising? You have no clue what's going on. By the way, he didn't like me. I mean, he got upset with me. I'm okay with that. This is my kid's life we're talking about. You want to get upset with me? Go ahead. That's huge because Nolan's buddy, who loves him, best friend, greatest parents. I just adore them. I really do. But there was a couple times that Nolan said, oh, yeah, Buck took us to the movies. And I go, did he drink? And he goes, yeah, he had some beers. And I was like, he put my child in the car and he drank. Yeah. But all it took was a great conversation. Okay. He respects yeah. me and he's like, he knows how I feel. Exactly. About and that's the idea, is that if, if you have a concern, it doesn't mean you get rid of them. It means you address the concern. Exactly. And it's just been so great. And he, yeah, I mean. Okay. Now, you can use your imagination. What I need you to do before the next class, because by the next class, we're going to start talking specific techniques to reach specific goals with the help of specific people. If you don't know what the specific goals are and you don't know who the specific people are, we're talking very uh, conceptually, and it's, it's not going to be near as useful. You need to have, have that form that's just like this filled out on your children. And the older your children are, the more likely there's one for each. In other words, the, the primary is not going to necessarily be different, but maybe one child's uh, teacher's very important to them, or Mr. Whoever, but the other child doesn't even have Mr. Whoever. Okay, so you've got two sets of secondaries, two sets of others. And the more children you have, the more you're dealing with that. Okay? 
And the older they are, the more that will be the case. Because when you're there one-year-olds and three-year-olds together, eh, you might have a little bit of variance, but it ain't going to be much. Okay? So make sure you've got that. Now, once you do it, ask yourself a question. Do I like this picture? This is, this is the picture you see of who is helping you parent your children. So do you like that picture? And then that breaks down into two other questions. Are there people in there or on that list you don't want on the list or you want moved? That may mean there's somebody who's a secondary and you don't want them to have that much influence. Maybe others okay, but you just too much influence. Or it may be the opposite. Maybe there's somebody down here and you're saying, this person is fantastic. They're exactly what my kid needs. I want, them, I want my child exposed to this person. So you've got to ask yourself, okay, then how do I get them from here up to here? Because you're the only one who can do that. Now, by the way, they can say, no, I don't have time or whatever in certain roles. But most of the time, you can do this fairly easily because they're already involved in your kids' lives or they wouldn't be on the list, period. So are there people that you need to take off of the list and why? Know why, and the reason is because taking people off that list is very hard to do and very awkward for us, okay? I mean, it's easy to do as long as they're not a primary parent because I can just say, don't ever come near my kid again. I mean, I've got the legal right to say that. But let's be real, that's not easy to say. So the more I have a good reason for saying that, the more likely I'm going to do it. Because in my head, I'm, I'm saying I'm protecting my child, which is true, because I'm not going to do this just for the fun of it, right? Now here's the other. Are there people not on the list you want on the list? Are there, are there kids, friends, uh, your friends, teachers, coaches, whatever, and you're saying, man, it would be so good for him. It'd be so good for her to be. My, one of my grandsons, two of my grandsons share with me, I have a very, very mild um, nervous tick. Has anybody ever noticed it? Just curious. Some of you have. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's very rare. Actually, I haven't done it in the last six months or so, but okay. Um, but that thing is hereditary. For me, it's a very strong uh, blinking with my left eye. And, it, and if it gets really bad, which usually means um, if I have allergies on top of stress, then sniffing comes into it. Now, with my two grandkids who have this, it's a, a far more pronounced. And the one who has it the worst and who's getting the most flack from his friends, because he's seven years old, and seven-year-olds are extraordinarily cruel about such things, there's a teacher in his school who is really considered cool by the, by the kids. And he has a nervous tick. So guess which class kids in? Mm -hmm. 